This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? PFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin and pretty excited, um, pretty stoked, staked some might say, about, <laughs> about our throwback because it is 30 years old. It's actually been reissued in some cinemas recently, uh, not here admittedly, but we are talking about, let me get this right, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I loved rewatching this so much. I think the first time I watched it, I was probably much too young. Um, I remember vague things, but can a movie simultaneously be terrible and so bad and yet so good and so enjoyable that I want to recommend it to everybody because this movie is it? I mean, but is it bad though? That's the question. <laughs> it I is bad. Know. Guys, it know. is bad. Come on. It's great, <laughs> but it is also bad. I think we can say that. I think leaning into the fact that it's bad helps appreciate it. I guess. Um, I don't know if it's bad. I honestly don't know if it's done on purpose because it comes off as so much quality and so good and the, and the movie has so much class. Um, so I don't know if this is the best Dracula movie there is because there are so many, many Dracula movies and vampire movies. Um, but it's the one that every other movie tries to emulate, right? Which is kind of weird because this movie is the only one I think that has such a signature style of its own. Like it's trying to do something that is so precise. Um, it has its way of pacing and moving and the acting's all weird and, and hammy, um, which is why I think that a lot of other movies that came after cannot copy it because you cannot get that tone and that vibe, which goes back to, to what I asked before. Like, is it actually a bad movie if you cannot copy a bad movie and make it your own? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with saying that I love this movie because... I think it's good. Like, I honestly think it's a good movie that is just so corny. So as you both know, I am a huge fan of So Bad It's Good. Um, And so because of that reason, this is an unaskable question to me, Sharmila, because I will never really be in the right position to say that something is bad when it crosses this line of like deep camp and corniness and is so OTT that it it becomes really difficult to gauge. Because the thing is, right, everybody, this is a, a film that I think is made with such weird intensity and dedication and everybody on screen is giving it a thousand percent, even apparently Keanu Reeves, according to Francis Ford Coppola, <laughs> who, who apparently tried really hard on the accent and that's what resulted in... in well, this performance. But the point is that I feel like everybody is giving it so much. The music is so much. The blood is so much. The practical effects so much that it's very, very enjoyable, even as you're rolling your eyes or thinking, what is this? What is happening? So 
to answer your question, Arvin, I guess I guess if we want to call something the definitive Dracula, it's probably the Bella Lugosi one. Because even mm. this movie refers back to that, right? Because you get the children of the night line and everything. But I think what I love about this film is that it acknowledges that the source material is not not corny even, but just overblown, right? Like intense and and there's this weird sexual energy that it really gets about the vampire mythology. Not just Dracula, but all the stuff that has come after Dracula and the attraction to something that's both kind of vile and gross, but also um, hypnotic and sensual. And this movie totally leans into all of that. And I think I'm probably going to move back and forth throughout this review because now suddenly I'm thinking maybe the movie's kind of genius and it's actually kind of really good. I mean, like Dracula doesn't even look like Dracula in the movie. Like Gary Oldman, right? He's a kind of ah, because they're like four Gary Oldmans in this film, four different versions. But if like overall, if you take like three out of four, um, most of the time he's like a Victorian hipster style Dracula, young Johnny Depp. Young young Johnny Depp, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> and um, oh my god, I just have to say, so attractive. Like I don't Gary think Ullman, right? Yeah, I mean not not some of the other Gary Ullman, but him as the Victorian hipster Dracula, so attractive. Which could have gone wrong so easily. Like if they didn't do that right, it could have gone so, so wrong and unattractive. But somehow Gary Ullman in weirdly long hair and uh top hat. And, um, Blue sunglasses. And, those glasses, and those glasses, it just works. Like, it just works. So famously, Gary Oldman took the role because he wanted to say, I mean, among other things, he wanted to work with Francis Ford Coppola, but he also wanted to be able to say the line, I've crossed oceans of time to find you. Mm. And it is when he is a hipster, <laughs> hipster Dracula um, that he, he says that. And I think that's the only reason, I don't know. I mean, when you... Think about the intensity or the drama of that line. I've crossed oceans of time to find you. Said in the Dracula accent with a wig and like a wolf hovering nearby. And and that about sums up, I think, the tone of this movie. And also uh, the mindset that you need to be in in order to enjoy it. I don't think... Um, I think if you don't like camp, it's going to be very difficult for you to enjoy this version of Dracula. I think if you don't like camp, if you don't like high drama, if you don't like... It's not humorless, but it's like the humor comes from the fact that everyone is so serious about what they're doing, right? So again, it all goes back to a very campy sensibility. Anthony Hopkins is funny. Anthony Hopkins is hilarious. Um, Keanu Reeves is unintentionally funny. But I think part of it is also if you go into it with like, oh, it's a Francis Ford Coppola film. It might be misled because um, for the first maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, the tone of it was really throwing me, right? Because you expect Godfather grandeur, but instead you get this kind of weird, cheesy castle with like a decrepit old Dracula with hair that flows down onto the floor. And you're just like, what is this? Like, is this some TV special? Um, Because you don't expect that from a Coppola film. But then once you realize the tone the movie is aiming to strike it's actually perfect and then that tone just gets amped up and amped up and it just gets more and more fun and in some parts actually genuinely moving which is what i thought was interesting about the film Mm. and it also gets um it also gets difficult to appreciate the film the more uh new vampire movies or dracula movies come out um especially parodies like i could not 
not see Dracula Dead and Loving It. This is a direct, uh, I mean, Dread and Loving It was directly parodying this, right? Directly and I also, parody. like Renfield, I couldn't unsee the parody version. <laughs> I couldn't unsee the parody version. Um, I couldn't unsee like cheaper movies down the line. Like I couldn't unsee Van Helsing, even though I love Van Helsing. I've said it many, many times. Um, you know, watching this, I couldn't stop comparing this with that. So I don't know if it's an effect of that as well. Uh, I remember being very frightened by certain images in this movie when I was a lot younger. And just watching it now, I'm like, oh, that looks kind of weirdly weirdly obviously prosthetics, you know? Um, so, I, so I think it's, it gets difficult to enjoy as time goes by. Yes and no for me. So I think um, I, I want to speak a little bit more later about the practical effects because they're such a big part of the film, the practical effects and the set. But because of that, there is a certain sense of timelessness that works for me. Now, the mannered nature of the performances and, and the ways in which the, the story takes its twists and turns maybe does feel a bit dated. But that's also because um, our version of Dracula now seems to have been shaped by this 1992 version in comparison to... I mean, he never once... I think wears a cape um, he never actually does does the, yes, the black that's cape true. Yeah. Um, you know yeah. we've also not really seen the, the bestial version of Dracula in, in earlier iterations uh, nor again really this one has um, what do we have we've got old Dracula young Dracula hot Dracula hot, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, beast Dracula yeah, but there's Beast Dracula and then there's Bat Dracula. Yes. And Rat mm, Dracula. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so there yeah. are a few different versions. Um, and some of them have become quite quite archetypal, I think, in terms of how we think about the character. Uh, anyway, we're talking today about Bram Stoker's Dracula. That is... 30 years old. Um, let us know if you've watched it. Is it your definitive Dracula film? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bruce Freddie Morrissey. BFM 89.9. Mina, drink and join me in eternal Cannot let this be. Please, I don't care. Make me marry you because I am to walk in the shadow of this for all eternity. I love you too much to continue. Take me away from all this death. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture. I swear that you've not suddenly stumbled on the wrong Some podcast. late night erotica? Correct, exactly. It is us. It is us. That was a clip from a film, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is what we're throwing back to today. Um, I wanted to start with that for two reasons uh, on this side of things. One is the fact that this is a love story. And, and I think we do need to talk about that because other iterations of Dracula didn't necessarily have him as a romantic, tragi tragic hero. So that's an important element to discuss. The other is everyone's so up for it all the time. It's, it's a huge part of watching this movie. Everyone is doing that breathy, breathless moaning performance throughout. Yes, and I love it. And that's partly <laughs> what I mean by you have to lean into this nonsense. Um, 
Why did Coppola want to call this Bram Stoker's Dracula? I actually don't know because he's taken so many liberties with the book that honestly he could have just called it Gary Oldman's Dracula, Coppola's Dracula and would have been fine. Uh, But I do love the tragic romantic vibe of the film. It never redeems him, which is good. Um, but I think it adds a really nice layer to the relationship between him and Mina. Well, because he knows he's terrible. Yes. Yeah. I also love how it actually gives Mina a lot of agency in the story, right? Because she's not a victim. She's not someone who's hypnotized. She actually wants what's happening in the film, which I thought was an interesting layer. It does make Jonathan Harker like the saddest sack of saddest sacks. But but yeah, whatever. No, I, I feel it really strikes that maybe because it's one of the first to do it, right? It really strikes the balance of he is he is some kind of a thing. Like we, we keep calling him a he, right? Dracula, but he's not a he. It's like an it. Mm-hmm. Or it, it's a creature of something, something, something. Um, and it strikes that balance of this is something else and it's not human, but there's it's also a love story. And there's also a tale of like obsession. And, and he is on a kind of a hunt. Uh, to fulfill himself. And and I like how they do that, which I think, again, going back to the new movies, a lot of movies don't strike that. They either make it very romantic and they make Dracula very sad or they go completely the other way and make him like a full-blown monster. So I love that balance. I also love how the entire movie so, sort of like reflects and mirrors that. So the the complete reds on reds in the shadows and the cinematography, the whole thing looks like a, like a fever dream and a music video, one very long music video actually. Um, so much so that you kind of forget that the, mu- the, the movie isn't actually saying anything. Like normally movies about Dracula or vampires have a message about something, right? It's like a... Uh, it's trying to come up with some kind of social commentary. I don't think this movie is doing any of that. It's completely stylized. Um, and I'm here for it. Like, I, I love, like, every minute of the two hours, 28 minutes. So it's a long movie. <laughs> this is such a long movie. It didn't feel long to me, though. It just felt like one huge, like, yeah, you're right, actually, fever dream. Which is, mm. uh, the word dream is actually something that Francis Ford Coppola himself used, although he, although he said erotic dream. But same difference. Um, you know, he, he really wanted that kind of quality to the film and it achieves that in a few different ways. Um, I think the practical effects play such a huge role in creating that, that discombobulating weirdness that permeates the whole thing because everything was done, I think, on camera, famously. That's something that he was very determined to do. And... So they achieve things like uh, the weirdness of the shots or the or strange angles by literally flipping cameras upside down. Um, costumes were built to to look a certain way. Uh, and I was thinking about the shadows and how at, at first at the beginning when he welcomes you to his home, <laughs> you know, it's like all the shadows that you see yeah. are just so glorious and such a wonderful tribute to horror films of the past and creature features of the past. I loved that so very much. That, that was part of what made this film so good looking. Can we talk about the acting? Because I think oh, for it's sure. such a big part of what makes this film work. I mean, Gary Oldman, of course, is is the heart of this film. Um, and he's so good. Like, he actually distinctly gives his different iterations of Dracula. Dracula. Yeah, like, each one is different. Like, each acting, each role feels different and like a different facet of who he is. Um I don't think this movie could have worked without him. Uh, But I also just loved uh, Winona Ryder. I loved Anthony Hopkins. It's like everyone got the brief and delivered exactly what the movie needed. Except? Except Keanu Reeves. Yeah, you you see, you weren't going to say it, Sharmila. I mean, did he know he was supposed to do a British accent when he signed up? Did he think he could? Like, what is this? 
maybe he's the worst or the best actor of all time like who knows who knows what Keanu Reeves is doing um but but speaking about the actors right um if you let's say you didn't know that Gary Oldman was playing Dracula in this movie um and you quickly like IMDb'd Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, Anthony Hopkins name is the first one that that pops up and then it's Keanu Reeves and you would easily believe that they were playing dracula in the movie which was something that i noticed watching it this time right there are a bunch of actors in this that could have easily been dracula like if anthony hopkins played him fine if keanu reeves played him it works and especially in terms of like aesthetics and looks and, and, and paleness the way he is. And, and and paleness um which is interesting right that the fact that they even went with um, gary oldman because to me i think it's because of that there's just something very very sophisticated about him and the way he carries himself and if he's putting on those attires and if he's doing the things that he's doing in the film you honestly need a gary olman to do it lal he's going to like he's going to ham it up but he's also going to make you believe that he's this guy or this creature that lives in this castle who is an immortal who's who's able to pull off whatever it is he's pulling off and I honestly don't think anyone would have been able to do that. Gary Oldman shoot the scenery yeah. and I loved it. I, I was Chewed just the scenery. Right all the way and and I was there for it 100%. I actually think that Anthony Hopkins is so funny in the role of Van Helsing. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's the the weirdly deadpan nature of his delivery. He's kind of there to even when he's ranting about my immortal enemy, the incarnation of evil on this earth i'm like do you care about this <laughs> you know well, what's happening with you i just really enjoyed it um but while we're talking about the main characters it's worth mentioning this is a 1992 film and there are some people in this who were stalwarts of the time or who are still acting today that it was really fun to see pop up uh, richard e grant when he yes. came on screen i was like oh there he is um carrie could have also been regular true carrie elves carrie elves um who played the I guess the good husband kind yes, of character. Lucy's husband. Yes. One um, of three suitors. Yes. Who who also just so looked the part. Um, Tom Waits as oh, Renfield. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's a lot being packed into this movie. I mean, when we say it's crazy, it's crazy in every which way. I think we firmly established that. It's crazy good, it's crazy bad, and also it's just outright nuts. The, 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 the level of stackedness within it is a lot. It made me... It made me miss films that take a risk, you know, like big tentpole films that just decide to take risks with what they're doing. I'm not sure whether Coppola thought he was taking a risk, but it got me thinking about how we've never gotten anything close to this in terms of Dracula. The closest, in fact, was probably that Netflix series uh, with Clay's Bang. Am I getting his name right? Clay's mm-hmm. Bang. Clay's Bang. Um, and that had the same sort of gothic vibe to it. And and now that I've rewatched this, I recognize that they've almost directly paid homage to this film with that series but movies don't take these sorts of risks anymore i mean even with that series right the the bbc series like three episodes of that i after watching that i thought okay this is my favorite dracula thing um in maybe the last 10 or 15 years but then going back and watching this again i honestly like you said i missed the i missed the over the topness like some of the cinematography some of the gothic set pieces and and the architecture it's like if if Tim Burton and, and Guillermo del Toro had a visual baby, this movie would be it. Like this is like Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola would be it. It's that 
it's so over the top, but it's also so beautiful to look at. Like they're like paintings. Some of it you only get to do also if you're det- if you're okay with making a film that is just about the story. Which goes back mm-hmm. to your point earlier, Arvin, about not trying to turn Dracula into some sort of stand-in for for a, a meaning or a philosophy or a, or a secret segment of society none of that this is just a gothic love story done by a master filmmaker who was determined to go over the top and that's what this is what we have it's a classic for a reason i think that's why it's so rewatchable because it's a celebration of the story and of dracula and understanding why vampire myths are so attractive to people that there's something just subversive and dark and sexual about them and the movie completely gets that is there any other movie other than the two ones that we've mentioned that have come close? Like best depiction of Dracula, you guys think? No, I'm thinking only Bella Lugosi and the Netflix series. And and Leslie Nielsen. Of course. Number one. Well, sure. Number one. You know, the irony of it is that Gary Oldman could still play this part today. Yes, 100%. Because of the, yeah, because of the way that the, the character goes as well. No, I really, I really enjoyed his take on it. I think there's a reason why everybody's still Dracul, you know, <laughs> until today. Um, we've been talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, made by Francis Ford Coppola, starring a lot of A-listers, um, most of whom we talked about. Let us know, have you rewatched it recently? Do you think it is the quintessential Dracula film? WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.